Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news, evolving methods of providing legal service, and law practice issues. My name is Mary Vandenack, founder and managing partner at Vandenack Weaver LLC. I'll be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about closely held business, tax, trusts and estates, legal technology, law firm leadership, and well-being. Before we start today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of Interactive Legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. On today's episode, I have my own partner, Mike Weaver. We've been doing a series on business exit planning, talking about the various strategies and considerations when doing business exits. We've done a previous episode on things to consider ahead of time in terms of business structure. We've talked about trust strategies that are used when you're planning a business exit. And today we're going to talk about charitable techniques that business owners should be thinking about to the extent you're charitably inclined. Mike, there's a whole lot of these charitable techniques to consider when a business owner is thinking about selling a business. Can you start with one of the most basic techniques? Sure. One of the, one of the simplest techniques and the one that's often used is just making a gift of your appreciated stock or for example, part of your business. If you're a business owner, just making a gift of that stock, uh, to a charity. And that has both, um, income tax implications and estate tax implications. So when you make that gift, so prior to the transaction, I should say, if you're, if you're, if you're a business owner thinking about selling, um, prior to that transaction, you make a gift of part of the stock or all of the stock. If you're that charitably inclined, you make a gift of that to a charitable organization. When you make that gift, you're going to get an income tax deduction, uh, equal to the fair market value of the stock that you gifted. Now your, your deductibility and any, so can I make that into an example that sure. you can make that real for me? So let's say, because the big advantage is one advantage is not having to pay any capital gain. Correct. Right. So first thing is I avoid capital gain. Let's say that I started this business and basically my investment per share is $1 and the current value per share is $1,000. So I give one share to a charity, it's worth $1,000, do I pay any capital gain? No. When you make that gift to the charity, there's no capital gain that's triggered um, because you're giving it to the charity. It's not a sale. So when you give it to the charity, you're going to get a deduction equal to- So I get a deduction too. You get an income tax deduction equal to $1,000. Now, 
You so wait, not. I avoid $999 of gain. You avoid $999 of gain. And I get a $1,000 deduction. Which you may have to spread out, depends on your adjusted gross income and all those other limitations on a charitable deduction. But yeah, you'll get a, eventually you're going to get a $1,000 deduction on that. So that's a pretty cool deal if I'm charitably inclined. And you've reduced your estate by one share that's worth $1,000. I've reduced my estate as well. So I'm going to mm-hmm. save estate. So if I'm over the estate tax limit. Right. Then I'm also going to, so I get. Rather than paying 40% to the government or if they raise it, who knows what it'll be. Um, you've, you've, you've gifted that to the charity, reduce your taxable estate. So what if I've created my own personal private charitable foundation? Can I make the gift of stock to that foundation? You can. It's going to be, there are going to be limits on what you can deduct. Um, the, well, the, if it's my own closely held stock, can I do it? And get um, any deduction? Or are there some limitations on that? Well, there's limitations on on the on when when you make a gift to a private foundation, if I set up my own private foundation, your AGI limits, your deductibility in any given year is, is lower. So, so this so the the strategy's not as great to a private foundation if I'm selling my business. Right. You have to think about the you know, normally it's it's a twenty percent limit on of your AGI up as opposed to 30 or 50 or 60 if you're making cash gifts. but um, So there's a lot of talk about different types of charitable trust right. that can be used in terms of pre-sale planning. And there's another one of our acronyms that we like that is like the CRT. Right. And CRT stands for what we call as a charitable remainder trust. Can you give us an overview of how a charitable remainder trust works? Yeah, so... For a charitable remainder trust, and there's a couple types, but we'll break those out later. Just in general, though, for a charitable remainder trust, what you're doing is you're transferring assets into an irrevocable trust that you create. And after you create the trust, you put it, you put your asset into it. You're going to take back some sort of payment from that trust. And it's going to be for a certain period of time. And at the end of that period of time, whatever's left in that trust is going to go to your charity. So that's where the, the, the name remainder trust comes in. So the remainder of what's left after the payments to you, the creator of the trust, is what goes to the charity. That's the charitable gift? That's the charitable gift. So do I get credit for that at the time that I fund the you CRT? Do. So I actually get a charitable deduction yep. at the time that I do that. So why is this a good strategy for a business owner? Well, again, it, it can get some, it can, when you, when you, when you transfer for example, for the business owner who's about to sell, when you transfer the assets to that trust that you just created, there's no capital gains tax paid, but you're going to get a charitable deduction. Now, the charitable deduction isn't going to be the full fair market value of what you put in it because, again, you're retaining an income stream. What you're going to get the charitable deduction on is the value of that remainder interest that goes to the charity. And so why would I want to do the CRT versus a direct gift? Well, um, the CRT, it, well, a couple of reasons. One, you do retain an income stream, and if that's appealing to a lot of potential sellers of a business is that they, they do retain an income stream for some period of time. Um, and, you know, these, while doing that, you're still going to get a partial charitable deduction, and you're still going to reduce your estate. So, What if I wanted to have that income stream, stream paid to my children instead of to me? You can do that with a with a with a charitable remainder trust. You can do that, but you have to keep in mind that when you 
it's when, when that income stream is going to someone other than you, what you're really doing is you're making a gift to that other person. So if I want the income stream to go to my kids, I'm really making a gift of the value of that income stream to my kids. So you, you have to consider that when you're doing that type of planning and, you know, you're going to use up some of your exemption amount or, you know, if you've already used up all your exemption amount, you're going to pay, you might pay some gift tax on that. So you have to be a little careful about using that as a strategy to shift that income. Right. Can you, do you have any advantage in terms of maintaining some control over the asset that you put in the CRT? Yeah. So what a lot of times what will happen is, for example, I'm a business owner. I'm about to sell my business. I put some number of shares of the, uh, of my business into the CRT. The CRT trustee will then participate in the sale. Uh, those, those shares are sold. Uh, the CRT doesn't pay any income tax on it because it's a, it's a charitable organization or it's a charitable entity itself. So it doesn't pay any capital gains tax on it. So now it's got a bunch of liquid assets that it's going to go out and invest in something. And you as the grantor do have some control over who the trustee is, um, selection of the trustee. Uh, so you do have some control over the assets that, that uh, remain in that trust. Once the liquidation event occurs, again, there's, they're going to do something with that cash, and, and you can have some input on how that cash is, is used. And in the realm of my enjoyment of our strange acronyms, <laughs> in the CRT world, we have a couple subcategories of CRTs right. that we call crats and cruts. Right. And so the crat is a charitable remainder annuity trust. Right. And the crut is a charitable remainder unit trust. Right. What's the difference? Why do we care? Crat or crut? The difference is in the type of payment that you're getting back. So you as the grantor, like we said, you're going to get a payment back. If that payment is just a set amount, every year you're going to get X amount. That's what's, that's an annuity. So that's why we call that a charitable remainder annuity trust. And, you know, that, uh, that annuity amount can, can, can vary. It has to be at least 5%, can't be more than 50% of what you're initially, of the value that you're initially putting into the trust. But that gives you some flexibility on, you know, the amount of cash that's going to be coming out every year. And then it gives you some flexibility on, you know, sort of the planning end of it of, of how much is going to be a charitable deduction. So how much the value of that remainder interest. So, you know, depending on how much, you know, if I'm taking out the minimum annuity amount, that's going to make the remainder amount more valuable, greater. Whereas if I'm taking out the maximum, that charitable amount is going to be less. So is that flexibility in terms of figuring that out the main reason I would pick one of these versus the other? It's one of the reasons that you would. I mean, one of the things to consider is, yeah, you can build in some flexibility on that. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors, Carson Private Client. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. 
reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Okay, let's continue our episode. So the type of trust we've been talking about, the charity gets its interest at the end, so it Correct. gets the remainder, like whatever's left. Right. So, yeah, so we've talked about crats, so let's talk about crats now. Okay. So in, in the in the in the CRAD, in the annuity, we had a fixed payment. With a CRUT, that's called a unitrust. That payment isn't fixed. It is based on the value of what's in the trust every year. So every year you're going to do a valuation of what's in the trust, and your payment is based on some percentage of that value. So again, it can range between 5% and 50%. But what I'm saying is, for example, I want my payment every year to be 10% of the value of the trust. So it's not a fixed payment. It's going to be 10% of the value as determined each year. So that, that payment will, can change. And to figure that out, you've got to value the assets of the trust annually. Right. If it's a closely held business, that might involve an appraisal. Yeah, and that's one of the things to consider when you're, if you're contemplating a, a CRUT is that cost every year. Now, for a business owner who's going to sell their business and, you know, there's going to be a liquidation event shortly after you transfer the assets to the trust, and then you're going to invest it in like marketable securities or whatever, you know, something that has a red, that has a readily determinable value. Uh, that's not going to be so much of an issue, but yeah, if you're, if you're a business owner and say you're just doing some estate planning, not necessarily a sale and you transfer your closely held business in, into it or part of your closely held business into a credit, that, that annual valuation is going to be a cost. Which of these, would be more common. I think the crats are, or what you see the see more often, just because the certainty of the payment and you know the 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 ease of setting of 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 it going forward. You don't have the valuation issue every year. That's I think probably what we see a little bit more of. At and least, at least for me. And so these trusts pay the charity at the end. These trusts pay the charity at the end. And there's another type of trust that pays pays the charity up front. Correct. And that's called a charitable lead trust or a CLT. Right. Is our little abbreviation right. for that one. Can you explain the CLT? Yeah. So the CLT really is just sort of the opposite of the of the of the remainder trust. So instead of the charitable interest going to the charity at the uh, end of the trust, with a lead trust, the charity is the one that's going to get the income stream. Um, during the life of the trust. And then at the end of the term of the trust, whatever's left will go to whoever the beneficiaries are that you designate um, when you set up the trust. And it could be what we call a reversionary interest where it goes back to the person who created it, or it could go to, typically it'll go to your kids or whoever. And so our subcategories in this one are clats and cluts? Clats and cluts. So we have a charitable lead annuity trust. Right. And again, it, it's just going to depend on what that income stream to the charity is going to look like. And again, with an annuity lead trust, it's going to be a fixed payment every year going to the charity. And with a unit trust lead trust, it's going to be, again, it's just going to be some percentage of the value of what's in the trust every year. So if you're the charity, you might prefer the CLUT if you think the value is going to increase on a regular basis. Right. As opposed to having just a fixed annuity. Right. But if you think the stock is going to crash. 
yeah, if you're risk averse or you think the stock is going to crash, then you would prefer the annuity payment every year. You know, you know what you're going to get. What would be the primary reason somebody would go with a charitable remainder trust versus a charitable lead trust? Well, the charitable remainder trust is probably what I see more just because you do get that, you do get that charitable deduction right away and you do have the ability to get that income stream. Um, with the lead trust, lead trusts are a little bit di- with lead, lead trusts are a little bit different in that um, whether or not you get a charitable deduction depends upon whether or not you set it up as a grantor trust or a non-grantor trust. And when we've we've talked about that in some prior in some prior podcasts, but basically, if it's a if it's a if it's if it's disregarded for tax purposes, that's a grantor trust. And if I set up my CLT as a grantor uh, charitable lead trust, then I will get a deduction for it. When I when I put the assets in, I will get a charitable deduction for it. But keep in mind, because it is a grantor trust, any income that's earned by that CLT is going to be taxed to me. So they're a little they're a little bit different in that. One of the big differences between a, a charitable remainder trust is and a, and a seal and a lead trust, the charitable remainder trust is itself an exempt, a tax exempt charitable trust, whereas the, char- the, the charitable lead trust is not. So, so there's different things that you have to consider, different type of planning things you got to look at when you're doing a lead trust. And that's why I think I probably see more of the CRTs. They're easier for people to get their mind around, and it's just a little bit simpler of a tool. Than the charitable lead trust. Right. right. And for the exiting business owner, if you look at the issue of basis versus value, the vehicle's not really going to make a difference, or it is. Well, it can. I mean, if you're if you're a business owner and you're looking for, say, you know, I, I really want to get a an income tax deduction this year for whatever reason. Um, I, I may not want to transfer um, all uh, uh, all of my business to some to a charity. I may I may want to I, I may generate some capital gain. I may want to have some income tax deduction. Um, and in that case, I would probably look at a charitable lead grantor type of charitable lead trust because I will get an income tax deduction for that. I've had some advisors tell clients that they could figure out a way to do a charitable remainder trust in a way that even if they're not charitably inclined, that it's going to be economically beneficial. Do you think that's very common? Well, and I think I saw it took like 20 year terms or something like that to yeah. get those numbers to work. Yeah. I think you, it, you, you can, you can certainly structure the remainder trust in a way that minimizes the amount that's going to the charity and maximizes the amount that's, that's, that's coming back as a payment to you. Um, so there is, you can do that. Um, it's it's not like a charitable. You are you are subject to the limitations for 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 a remainder trust in that the term can't be more than twenty years. So you do have some limitations. I can't I can't stretch the charitable remainder trust out for sixty years and then literally there'll be nothing left for the charity. Um, you can't do that. Now you can do that with a lead trust, um, but that all impacts deductions and things like that. So it is possible to to minimize the amount that's going to the charity. Um, most of the people that I've seen use them though, they're, they're charitably inclined to do so. That'd be the most common thing. Yeah. So that's our 
thoughts today on the charitable strategies that you use in business exit planning. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. A Huda Media Production.